Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Preach this message today, and the Lord willing, I'll have you out and away from here, uh, hopefully by uh, 12.15. Now, that'll give me enough time to have the message and the invitation this morning. And uh, I know that some folk here today in this place, in this room, have been saved, uh, but you've never been scripturally baptized. Uh, now, I believe that uh, you need to be scripturally baptized. Now, I've known people who, uh, for instance, take me. I was baptized. I was sprinkled in the Methodist church when I was 12 years old. And um, I've got this microphone on, but I forgot to turn it up. Can you hear me all right out there? Am I too loud? I hope not. And uh, this will help in the tapes that we send out to our shut-in friends. Uh, they'll be able to hear. When I get outside the pulpit sometimes, my voice is not there. And so I, uh, I need to have the microphone on so that uh, be able to make the tapes and hear them. Now, uh, as I was saying, there are people here this morning in this congregation who have not been scripturally baptized. I was sprinkled when I was 12 years old. I was saved when I was 26. Now, some people will say, well, you, you were already baptized years ago. No, baptism is for believers only. Now, I don't care whether you sprinkle, whether you go in the water or or ever how it is administered until you get saved, you've never been baptized. And so we're going to talk about this. Now, uh, some people that are here today, I hope you don't uh, get offended. I mean that. I'm going to speak to you uh, from a biblical standpoint and also from a Baptist standpoint. Now, I'm a Baptist by conviction. Amen. I, I'm sold on the Baptist church. I believe with all of my heart that the Baptist church is a biblical, doctrinally sound church. If I thought there was somebody that was more doctrinally sound than the Baptist people, then of course I'd go over and join them. But I'm sold on the Baptist, independent Baptist, old-fashioned Baptist church, and I believe I can show you in the Word of God that uh, this church that I pastor here is a biblically, doctrinally sound church, and that's why I'm a Baptist. Somebody said, well, it doesn't make any difference where you go to church. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. It's important where you go to church. It's important the crowd that you run with and the associations that you have in this life as a child of God. It is important where you hang out, you see. So we're going to talk to you about water baptism today. Now look in Romans chapter number 6. Would you stand please for the reading of God's Word? Please stand and, uh, and let, me, let me just share some of the Word of God with you this morning in Romans chapter number 6, please. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound 
God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, that baptism there, uh, when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into him by the Holy Ghost of God. Now, uh, I'm convinced in my heart and in my mind today that uh, Holy Spirit baptism is the placing of an individual into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what spirit baptism is. By the way, there is no such thing as a so-called uh, second work of grace. There is no such animal. I, I mean, listen, I... Uh, if, uh, as some people say, uh, that we're to be baptized with the Spirit after we get saved, I wonder why God never, in all the New Testament, why He didn't tell us to be baptized with the Spirit. Have you ever wondered about that? I think the reason is that when we are saved, when we're placed in the body of Christ, we are baptized into Christ by the Holy Ghost of God. We are completely immersed in Christ Jesus. Now look at it. It says in verse number 2, uh, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now he begins to talk about that outward expression of water baptism and being buried and planted with Christ. Look in verse number 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Our Father, we pray that we might be blessed today. Help us together today to sit in heavenly places. And I pray, dear God, that you might bless abundantly. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Now you may be seated, and I want you please to turn to Matthew chapter number 16, please. Matthew and chapter number 16. Now, I believe that there are two ordinances in the church, and the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, uh, the, the bread and the, uh, the fruit of the vine, uh, uh, the, the grape juice, if you please. Somebody said, well, it's wine. No, it never says in the Bible that it is wine. It refers to it in, uh, as the fruit of the vine. And um, I don't believe that Jesus Christ would have done anything contrary uh, to the Scripture. Do you? I don't believe that. And um, so I'm saying to you today that we simply believe that it's the fruit of the vine. This is one of the ordinances is the Lord's Supper. The other ordinance of the church is baptism and uh, water baptism. Somebody said, well, brother, how about uh, foot washing? Why, why don't we observe uh, foot washing as an ordinance of a church? Well, because I do not believe that foot washing pictures uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not believe in all of the writings of the Apostle Paul. 
uh, we were never instructed in all of the writings to every church. There was never any instructions regarding foot washing. Foot washing is a uh, 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 something that is done in the in the home, in the house. It's a it's a household duty performed when strangers come and their feet were tied. They were washed. Their feet were washed by the host of that home. Now. This is a picture of humility, and uh, but it's not a church uh, ordinance as baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, I preached a message here, preached several messages on it, but if you'd like to get a message on foot washing, then you ask Brother Buck, and he'll give you a message that I preached on foot washing. There, there's no instruction for this in the church, and uh, it doesn't picture the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two ordinances, and that is the Lord's Supper and uh, baptism. Now, in Matthew chapter number 16, we must get a foundation if we're going to, to work from this, and if you're going to rightly divide the Word of God and understand baptism as an ordinance of the church, then you're going to have to write, have the right foundation to work from. In Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 17, now it, it talks about this is the great confession of the apostle Peter where he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Boy, I wish I could have been there that day, Brother Jimmy to have heard Peter save from his, uh, from, his, from his lips and give this expression of adoration to Jesus Christ. Um, he said, Whom do ye say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, uh, uh, the Messiah, the sent one of God. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus went on and he said this, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, uh, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I'm not going to bring you a message on the church today, uh, because we're, talk we're talking about baptism. But I, I, I think you need to understand that this is a church ordinance and it needs to be administered by a church that is authoritative, uh, the church that Jesus instituted. Now, as I said in the beginning, uh, some folk may not understand what I'm going to say uh, in the next few moments. I hope it doesn't offend you, but I believe this is the Word of God. I believe it's what, uh, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus instituted the church. Now, he said something about the church that he instituted. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that means to me, if I believe what God says in the book right there, I must believe in what is called church perpetuity. I mean that from that moment in time right there where Jesus said, upon this rock, referring to himself, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From that moment of time until this present time, there has always been the church that Jesus instituted and began to build upon at that present hour. Now, it is important today to know uh, the church that he's talking about. 
Now, this is where some folk are going to say, well, Brother Bill is proud of the Baptist church and Brother Bill is saying that, um, that these are the only folk that are going to heaven. I beg your pardon. I'm not talking about salvation right now. When a person, a person is going to heaven, listen to me very carefully. Don't you go out of here and misquote me and say something that I did not say. A person goes to heaven by the grace of God. Amen. A person goes to heaven based upon his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. People that go to heaven are people that are saved, amen, that have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus. They're going to be uh, Methodists in heaven. I believe that. I believe there'll be some Methodist people in heaven. I believe there'll be some, uh, some Pentecostal people in heaven. I, I believe there'll be some Presbyterian people in heaven. I believe that uh, the possibly there'll even be some uh, Roman Catholic people in heaven who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their own personal sake. I'm not talking about salvation. So don't go out and say today that Brother Bill said Baptist people are the only folk that are going to heaven. I don't believe that. But I do believe it's important where you go to church and who you associate with. Now, Let's, uh, let's just take a little test this morning very quickly before we even begin to talk about baptism. And somebody's already mentioned in their mind, they've said, well, why in the name of heaven is this important? Well, because individuals don't baptize. That's right. Individuals are not commissioned to baptize. The church, the commission was given to the church. Amen. The commission was given to the church to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And people are to be baptized by the church. And so I'm saying to you, uh, the church that Jesus instituted has the authority, the biblical authority, to baptize. And if there's a church that is not the church that Jesus instituted and does not have biblical authority behind it, then they do not have the authority to baptize. Now, that's, that's very, very important. Let me ask you this. How often is a person to be baptized? Is he... Uh, well, let's, let's turn it around and do it this way. How often are we to partake of the Lord's Supper? Nobody, it, it doesn't say in the Word of God. Some people do it on a weekly basis. Some people, and I'm afraid of that because then it becomes a work, you see. And uh, we don't believe there's any saving power in the Lord's Supper or in baptism. None whatsoever. You're saved by the grace of God. But how often are we to observe the Lord's Supper? Well, we are to observe it until he comes again. Isn't that right? And we're to do it once a, once a month, uh, twice a month, every six months, once a year, or, or whatever. But we're to uh, continually observe the Lord's Supper until he comes again. Now, let me ask you this. How many times is a person to observe the ordinance of water baptism? One time, I'll answer it for you, one time. We don't go into the baptistry time and time and time again 
I, this is simply an expression of what we believe. And I personally believe and am convinced in my mind that when this ordinance is observed, when it is administered by the church, I believe that that uh, places you in that body. Somebody said, well, I want you to baptize me, but I don't want to be a part of your church. Hogwash. Somebody that doesn't want to be a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'm not going to baptize them. I, I believe that when a person is water baptized, that he is observing the ordinance given by Jesus Christ, and that ordinance is an outward expression of what he believes in his heart. He says, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was buried because of my sins. I believe he was raised for my justification. And I believe also that that water baptism identifies you with the church. I believe that. You say, well, you're saying that when you get water baptized, you're saved. Baloney! I didn't say that. Don't you go out and say anything like that. Listen, I'm saying to you that it identifies you with the church. Now we come to the second thing. All of these things are important if you understand water baptism. Now, the second thing is, what kind of church did Jesus institute? Now, the word means, the word is ecclesia, and it means an assembled body, an assembled body. It doesn't mean an invisible, scattered out body all over the world. Now, I believe there's a family of God. I, listen, I believe I have, may have a brother in Christ in, uh, in Florida, I have a brother in Christ in Germany, I have them in North Carolina, they're scattered out. But bless your heart, the church that Jesus instituted is a visible church. The Bible says the missionaries were brought on their way by the churches. Amen. When Paul wrote a letter to the churches, he wrote to individual assembled bodies of believers, and that's what we are here today at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Now, very heard, let me say this to you. Do we qualify as the church that Jesus instituted? How far back do we go? Well, I'll say this. I think and I believe and you're going to say, well, you're full of pride. No, I'm just telling you what I believe, folk, what I believe the Bible. When, when Jesus referred to John uh, and, and, and were writing about John, he called him John the what? No, John the what? That's a different John. That's John the beloved, the disciple, the apostle. But the John that I'm talking about was John who? John the Methodist? Huh? What was it? Was it John the Presbyterian? Huh? Do you know? Now listen to me. Don't get mad with me. I mean, listen, I didn't write that. God wrote it. Some people say, well, you believe they're all lost. There you go again. I didn't say there's loss. Don't go putting words in my mouth. I'm saying to you, he was John the Baptist. Now, I am not a Protestant. I'm not protesting against Roman Catholicism. I don't believe that Baptists have ever been a part of Roman Catholicism. 
We didn't go astray from the mother church. We, uh, from, listen, what did I say a while ago? What Jesus say? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, my church. Now, from that point in time, right there, that day, from that point, there has always been the church that Jesus instituted, and it is in, it's not sick today, it's not about to go under. I believe it is flourishing, and I believe it'll never go under. Amen. You say, well, is it the Baptist? I'm not saying that. I'm saying this to you. There's always been a, a, a group of people meeting together, propagating the gospel, preaching the gospel, baptizing converts, sending out missionaries, practicing church discipline, having a pastor, having deacons, uh, receiving tithes and offerings, practicing New Testament church discipline. From the time that Jesus instituted that church, there has always been a group of people who have been true to the principles of God's Word until this present hour that we're living in. You say, have they always been called Baptists? No, no. They may have been called by other names down through history, but I'm saying, bless your heart, there always has been this group that had the blessings of God upon them and were true to the Lord Jesus Christ, the principles of His Word. Now, take all the rest of the uh, denominations. Take, for instance, Methodism. When did Methodism get started? Somebody help me. Methodism came out of what? That's right. It, uh, they were Protestants. They, they came out of the, uh, the Reformation time was, was Methodism. And by the way, did you know you ought to read some history about it? I was a Methodist for, for 25 years. Everybody talks so much about John and Charles Wesley. Uh, they had no intentions of starting uh, another church. They met and they called their meeting society. Check it up. Read it. Check on it. They died. Listen. John and Charles Wesley both died in the Church of England, Episcopal Church, bless your heart, and they were buried in the Episcopal graveyard. That's the way they died. But the Methodist Church had a time in history that they started. They had a, a, a starting point. Presbyterianism under John Knox and, uh, and, and, uh, and, the, and the followers of him. They had a time, a point in history when they started. The church of God, even if you want to look at that, go to Cleveland, Tennessee, bless your heart, and look at a little stone and it'll tell you the exact time and date when the church of God got started. You talk about the church of Christ and you, you read history and you'll find out that a man by the name of Campbell and his followers, this, this is where the church of Christ got started. Roman Catholicism got started uh, after this period of time when Jesus was talking to Peter, a man by the name of Augustine. He said, uh, I'm going to declare that this nation will be Christian. And he had all of his armies baptized. And that was the beginning of Roman Catholicism. Do you know? Now listen to me. You just study history books and, and you'll know what I'm saying to you this morning is true. Do you know the only major denomination in the world today that has no point in history of a beginning other than the Bible is the Baptist Church? That's right. 
Now, you just, you can get mad, you can get glad or sad or whatever. I'm just telling you like it is. Now, all of that is important this morning if we're going to talk about baptism. Because I've had people come here from other denominations and say, hey, I want to join the church. I want to be baptized. That's what is called alien baptism. We don't take baptisms. We don't take letters from Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Roman Catholicism, Church of God, Church of Christ. We only take them from other Baptist churches. Now, I want to be clear on this matter. I don't want any mistakes coming. Amen. This, this is important to me. You say, why is baptism so important? Because it's an ordinance of the church. Listen to me. How many of you believe the Lord's Supper is important? Hold your hand up. How many of you believe it's important? All right, put you down. Put your head down. How many of you believe baptism is important? Hold your hand up. Now, I don't want you to answer these next questions. I want to just ask a question, but you sit still. I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Somebody said, well, it's all right to sprinkle for convenience sake. Baptism is not important because it has no saving power whatsoever. Let me turn this around and, and put the shoe on the other foot and tell you that we're going to have observed the Lord's Supper here next Sunday night. And because there's no saving power in it, and it is not important as far as salvation is concerned, that we're going to observe the Lord's Supper, but we're not going to have unleavened bread, and we're not going to have uh, 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 the, the fruit of the vine. We're going to have Coca-Cola and potato chips. You know what you'd want to do? And rightly so. You'd say, we're going to run this man out of town. He's a heretic. He's got no business standing uh, behind the sacred desk of God. Let me tell you something, folks. Just as important, just as important as the Lord's Supper is the ordinance of water baptism. And I think you ought to be baptized if you haven't been. I got 15 minutes left to give you this message. Put on your seven-league boots. We got a good foundation, and we're going to take off right now. Why should you be baptized? Number one, because Jesus said so. Amen. Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all way, even unto the end of the world. You ought to be baptized scripturally because Jesus said you ought to be baptized. I believe you ought to be baptized not only because Jesus said it, because the apostles preached and practiced it. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I believe you ought to be baptized because Jesus did it. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, there's no question about it. When you get saved, bless your heart, you ought, to get saved, you ought to get baptized. Why? Because Jesus said so, because the apostles preached it and practiced it, and because Jesus Christ himself got baptized. Now, who is to be saved? Now, that's why you ought to be saved. Who is to be, uh, is to, why you ought to be baptized? Now, we're going to talk about who is to be 
baptized. Only those who are saved by receiving Christ Jesus into their heart. What about the practice of baptizing little children? Huh? What about the practice of, of baptizing people when they're 12 years old into the church? I don't believe it's scriptural. I believe only those who are saved and washed in the precious blood of Jesus ought to be water baptized. Let me give you about three verses of Scripture. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Amen. The Bible says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And believe that he died on the cross and paid the supreme penalty for your sin and my sin. Peter, uh, uh, Philip said, If thou believest. With all thine heart thou mayest. And then Acts uh, 16 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. Jail over the Christian school movement. Now, I, I'm so glad that my children are in a Christian school, but I, I'm not going to jail. Ted Lilly gets in jail, bless his heart. I mean, that's his tough luck, honey. He can get out the best way he wants. I'm not going down there. I'm just not going to do it. Somebody said, well, the preacher, some preacher said, I'm not going to pay my taxes. Well, bless your heart. If they, if they tax us on the property here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'm not going to jail. Bless your heart, you can go if you want to. I'm not going to jail over taxes. I mean, Jesus paid his taxes. That's right. Sent Peter down there and got some money out of a fish's mouth. I hope when it comes time to pay mine this year, there's a big fish around. I mean that. But I, he went down, got some money out of a fish's mouth, and, and, and paid his taxes. And I, I'm going to pay mine, bless your heart. I don't intend by the grace of God to go to jail. But there's some things I go to jail for. There's some things I die for. And I die, if it's in this book right here, bless your heart, somebody comes around to me and says, hey, you can't preach what you preach today. If you do, we're going to put you in jail. Honey, I believe it so much that I'd preach it and go to jail. I believe it's important. And I've got to stand before God one day and give an account to him for what I preach. And I'm saying to you, you need to get saved, S-A-V-E-D, washed in the precious blood of Jesus, and you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism after you get saved. You say, well, how should I be saved? Very quickly. It took me five minutes, but I'm doing good. Amen. I'm doing good. Listen, how should I be, be saved? I read in, a, in the, I got two manuals of church history, so-called, in my study. I mean, that's in church history book. I mean, a guy did that. He, he got a milk bucket out, put his water in it, baptized the man. I baptize you in the name of the Father <coughs> in the milk bucket. I baptize you in the name of the Son in a milk bucket. I baptize you in the name of the Holy Ghost in a milk bucket. Now, you say, well, what's wrong with baptizing in a milk bucket? 
you can't get everything in the milk bucket. Huh? If you had a bucket big enough to immerse the whole body in it, in the water, I believe you could baptize. Listen, baptism is a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray tell me, how are you going to signify? I went to the Methodist church. I was there that morning. They didn't tell me that they were going to sprinkle my little nephew. They didn't tell me that when I went. I went home. I was in school and uh, at Tennessee Temple at that time. Went home. My dad was there uh, in church that morning. Went to church. Went to the Methodist church with me. I didn't want to go, but I went. I got in there and sat down. Here was my dad sitting next to me in his nice suit of clothes, you know, and looking so religious there. And my mother was right next to him. And then I was sitting here. And then here was Donna and Carol. And here was Patsy, Billy, Mary Beth were not on the scene yet. And uh, here was my two sisters and uh, their children. I mean, we took up a whole pew in the Methodist church. Here I sat. I mean, I... I looked just as religious as the other crowd sitting there. Had on my nice suit sitting there. And they came down to close their... I didn't know this. They didn't tell me this. They said, now we're going to baptize little Herbert Lofton. That was my nephew. My sister was sitting there with little Herbert in her arms. I mean, he was just a, a, a little small baby. And he said, as it is our custom, and, and here goes Sarah up and her husband and the little baby, and they're going to sprinkle that child in the Methodist church. And the fellow standing there with his robe on and his, his little gold thing around his neck, and it's got an IHS on it, and I guess that stands for in his service. I'm not sure, but he had all of that on him. All the candles were lit. Everything in the service, right ready for the for the baptism that morning. Had all his had his little chalice out, had his rosebud out. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Very religious. Took a little rosebud. You know, this is what they do. Take the rosebud, dip it in the little chalice, and then touch the baby three times in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and they sprinkle it. And he said, "Now, as is our custom." The family of Herbert and Sarah will stand. My dad got up. My mother got up. My other sister got up. And here I sat with my wife and my two children. And Donna, she just, oh, Donna, she almost got up. She started up. And I reached over and got her and said, oh. And he said, all the family will stand and give approval. And I sat there like this. My dad looked at me and I said, this is what I did. I said. <laughs> now, it would have been better off if I hadn't gone that morning. I mean that. But I'm saying to you, listen, this thing of baptism is important. You can't do it with a rose and a chalice. You can't do it with a milk bucket. Because there's no way to get your body in. I mean, you have to bury that person completely. Immerse them. Now, look at what the Bible said. <coughs> and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway <coughs> out of 
the water. Now, how did he come out of the water if he wasn't in the water? Huh? He was in the water. I don't like these Bible story books that have Jesus Christ and the baptism of Christ and somebody with a pitcher of water pouring water on his head. Now, that's not what is given in the Bible. I believe a person, in order to be water baptized, is to be completely immersed in water. The Bible says, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both of them into the water. Now, that's the way that you are to be baptized. If you weren't buried in the water, honey, you didn't get what the Bible teaches, and the ordinance of baptism was not carried out right. If it's all right, now let, let me say it again, and I saw some people cringe a while ago when I said it, but I'm going to say it again just to impress on your mind. You see, I have a tendency sometimes to preach things and people don't like it. People don't like it to the point that they, they leave, they don't come back. But that's not my responsibility. Man, I preached on church membership here not long ago and I lost some people. I mean, they just left. They didn't come back. I still believe it. I believe it with all my heart. I believe what I'm preaching right now. And let me say it to you again. It's just as important as the Lord's Supper. If it's all right to sprinkle a child with a rosebud, it's all right to have potato chips and Coca-Cola to observe the Lord's Supper. They are both ordinances of the church, and they are both important, and I think we ought to do them in the right way. Amen. All right. Amen, Brother Bill. That's good. Thank you. God bless you. All right, now, when should you be baptized? I think, without a shadow of a doubt, you ought to be baptized as soon as you get saved. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, same day, were added unto them about 3,000 souls man got saved one day and I said, uh, now you need to be baptized. He said, I'm going to pray about it. I said, you don't pray about being baptized. His mouth dropped up. There's some things you don't have to pray about. Amen. Did you know that? You don't pray about tithing. You just tithe. You don't pray about going to church. You just go to church. I mean, you, you're commanded in the word of God not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. And so you don't need to pray about coming to church tonight and coming to church on Sunday morning and coming to church on Wednesday night. When the people of God meet together and the church meets, if you're a part of it, you're to be there. Be there. So you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about tithing. And let me tell you something else. You don't have to pray about baptism. The Bible says repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And by the way, some nutty person said one day to me, said, well, it says right there that you're to get baptized for the remission of sins. In other words, when you get baptized, that takes care of your sin. I said, hogwash. He said, can you explain that verse to me then? I said, I'm so glad you asked that question. I really am. I'm glad that he asked that question. Because let me ask you a question. If, if you say to me, Brother Bill, I went 
into the kitchen and took an aspirin for the relief of my headache. Now let me ask you, did you go in the kitchen and take an aspirin in order to get a headache? Or did you go take the aspirin because you had a headache? You see, when it says for the remission of sin, you get baptized because your sins have been forgiven. Look very quickly in Mark chapter number 16. Look at verse number 16 or 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now listen to what it says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I haven't pulled that on me a lot. You know, Church of Christ people, they say, He that is, uh, 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 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I said, Hold on a minute. Wait just a minute. Read the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, But he that believeth not shall be damned. I said, Now, sir, this is easy to understand. I said, You can put another word. He that believeth and tithe shall be saved. He that believeth and goeth to church shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized by, shall be saved. But listen to what the last part says. But he that believeth not that mention baptism. See, eternity, salvation rests on belief. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, listen to me, friend. You ought to get saved. And you ought to get baptized because God's word teaches it. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now, where should you be baptized? Now, this is what I talked about in the beginning of the message. Where should you be baptized? The only, now listen to me very carefully. We're not talking about salvation. Don't go away from here today and say that Brother Bill, don't equate what I'm talking about with salvation. Don't do that. Just don't do it because I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about water baptism. I'm talking about the church that Jesus instituted and, and, and is able to baptize. That's what I'm talking about. Don't go out and mix my words up and say something. If you want somebody to hear this, then you go out. I got more back there. You go out and, and get a tape and take it out and let them listen to it. Where should you be baptized? You should be baptized by a church. Now listen to me, honey. Listen, don't you go astray on what I'm saying right now. It's important where you go to church. You ought to be baptized by a church that has the scriptural authority behind it to baptize. Don't be baptized by a church that believes in work salvation. That's doctrinally unsound, and that's not the church that Jesus instituted. Don't be baptized by a church that says, hey, you've got to live for God in order to go to heaven. You've got to be saved in order to go to heaven. Amen? Amen? It doesn't rest on how you live. Listen, if we went to heaven by, all, by how we live, every one of us would bust hell wide open. Now, that's not good English, but it's real good theology, and you better soak it up today. You don't go to heaven by what you do day by day. You go to heaven by the pure grace of God. 
So don't run out here and get baptized by a church and a pastor that believes in work salvation. They don't have the authority to baptize. And that's why if you do that, don't come over here to Brother Bill and say, Hey, I want to be a, man, a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church. The only way you're going to get in, brother, is to be baptized by a church that has the authority of God behind it. Amen, Brother Bill. That's good preaching. Don't you go out here and get baptized uh, by a church that not only believes in scripture or unscriptural plan of salvation, of work salvation, Brother Delbert. Don't, 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 don't let anybody do that. Or either a church that will go a step further and pervert the word of God and change the word of God and uh, uh, talk about, uh, uh, emphasize the Holy Ghost more than they do the Lord Jesus. I get nervous. Listen, you know what the Bible says about the Holy Ghost of God? It says that he will direct all glory to the Son. You know the one person in the Godhead that is to receive the glory in the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When you get into a service, bless your heart now, unless the pastor is preaching a doctrinal message on the Holy Ghost of God. Other than that, if you get into a service where there is more said about the Spirit of God than there is about the Son of God, you're in the wrong kind of service. God no man alive has. Now listen to me. Some of you are already kicking it in neutral. You say, man, you've already gone past 12, 15. That's all right. Let me preach on grace for a minute. Listen. Some people will so pervert the word of God until they stand before folk and say, hey, we have with us tonight a preacher who has a healing ministry. So there ain't no such animal in the Bible. Tell me where in the name of heaven anybody ever had a healing ministry. The ministry is to preach the gospel and to teach the word of God. And let me just hasten to say this to you. There's no one on the face of God's green earth. Now hear me. Listen to me. Nobody. I don't care who it is. Oral Roberts. Jimmy Swaggart. Pat Robertson. Tammy Baker, I, I don't care who it is, listen. No man and no woman walking on the face of God's earth today can walk up to an individual. Now listen, don't cut me off. Listen, honey, I'm telling you the truth. There's not a man standing on two feet today that can walk up to another individual and say to that individual, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's no one alive that can do that. You say, well, I saw Oral Roberts do it. Honey, I know some people. And let's get them to do this. That's, if they can do that, why don't they go ahead and do the rest of it? Why don't they raise the dead? Huh? 
I mean, that's a part of it. That was a part of the apostolic commission that Peter worked under. Said they weren't even to go to Gentile people. Go to the household of Israel. And they would have cast out demons. And, and they would have healed the, the sick. And, and they would have raised the dead. Nobody can do that. I don't care. You find somebody can do that. And bless your heart. Uh, there was a man here today in our Sunday school that can't hear. He can't hear. How many of you know him? Huh? You know this man that's sitting right, right back here. i tell you what to do. I'll pay the plane fare. I'll go to the bank, borrow the money, play, pay the plane fare, and we'll put him on the airplane, and we'll take him. All you got to do is say, hey, Brother Bill, you're a liar, and I know a man that can do it. i tell you, let's take him and get him, and then they'll say, oh, well, he doesn't have the faith to be bad. Listen, bless your heart, that man that Peter uh, healed and John healed didn't have anything to do with his faith. Had to do with Peter's faith. He didn't look at him and say, hey, have you got enough faith to be healed? And slap him beside that. He didn't do that. He said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter's faith was the one that got the job done, honey. You say, you don't believe in divine? Oh, yes, I do. You cut your finger. You go down here to the doctor, and the doctor sew you up. But it, listen, if the body, and God Almighty designed this body, and he's behind it and, and it, and if God doesn't take over and heal your body, you'll die. Gangrene will set in all healing, all healing, all healing. I don't care what it is, whether it's cancer or a sore throat. All healing comes from God. Bless your heart. Let me tell you something. You say, how will get healed in this day? You know what the Bible said? Now listen, listen. Don't get mad at me. The Bible says, any sick among you, let him call for Jim Baker. Is that what it said? Huh? Is there any sick among you? Let him call for Oral Roberts. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for Jimmy Swaggart or Pat Robertson or, or any of that crap. No. Said call for the elders of the church. Listen, healing comes through the church that Jesus Christ instituted, not through individuals, bless your heart. Now, a lot of people are going to get mad and upset, and they say, man, I ain't going to hear him no more. That's all right. You come and point out one thing, just anything, that I said to you and didn't have any scripture to back it up and bless your heart, I'll get up publicly and apologize for it. I've given you the word of God. It's important that you be baptized after you get saved, and it's important that you get baptized by a church that has the scriptural authority and injunction and authoritative power of God behind it. Now that's important, folks. And if you don't think so, then you just don't believe the word of God.